Today on part two of a special crossover event, we look back at the Rockies and Diamondbacks trade deadlines. Did it set up a path to success for both of these teams in the future? Who's going to make the playoffs and who are the young guys both on the Rockies and around the league that you like to see for the rest of the season? You are Locked On Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans and Diamondbacks fans, welcome in to part two of an exciting crossover event here on Locked On Rockies and Locked On Diamondbacks. I am one of your hosts, Paul Holden, the host of the Locked On Rockies podcast. Your Rockies fan extraordinaire, been a fan my entire life and been bringing you your daily Rockies talk for three seasons now on the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find your team every day. And if your team is the Locked On, well, the Diamondbacks, if your team is Locked On Diamondbacks, which are everydayers are on our team, you got Millard Thomas bringing you the best D-backs coverage around. Millard, how are you, my friend? Back in action here, round two, ready to go. Yeah, I came back, didn't even change my clothes, didn't even shower. I'm just ready to run it back with the same uh, same fit as yesterday, Paul. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Off day, at least for the Rockies. I believe the Diamondbacks finally get an off day as well there on Thursday. And uh, now leading into hopefully a winning series for the Rockies. We broke the uh, series down in our last episode and kind of talked more small picture between these teams or current season. We're going to go bigger picture. And I really want to revisit the trade deadline because you mentioned a couple of things in yesterday's episode that I thought were really interesting. And I and I think the Diamondbacks did make, I think, what seemed to be one of the better moves at the deadline. We'll mm-hmm. dive into that coming up here and more. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over, in thir- in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And uh, Miller, let's let's kind of keep diving into our conversation. Yesterday, like we were talking, I talked about before, we we broke down the series, and and this was a moment I think that when you're looking at the Diamondbacks going forward, it could be a turning point for the Rockies. Another frustrating series where they could have they could have had it. Certainly had two out of three, and and the finale was just kind of a wacky course field game. But we saw Paul Seawald play a key role in this uh, series between the Rockies and Diamondbacks, and. While things haven't gone well for the Diamondbacks, this is an encouraging move, I think, from this team at the deadline. Does this set up the Diamondbacks to be more aggressive on quality midseason pitches, or uh, not only pitchers or pieces, going forward in the future? And what did you think of that move and, and the team making it? Hopefully, it puts them on the right path to acquire better players in the future because you should never trade for bad players, I think, as a as a owner and a GM. And sometimes the D-backs do that because I've seen them trade away a Starling Marte for nothing at the deadline before. Um, so definitely need to keep in mind the packages and pieces you get back when you trade away players. Would like to see a little bit more return on some of the players that the D-backs trade away at the deadline. But at least for the Deadline this past season, D-backs were buyers and not sellers for once because usually once you get to the trade deadline, the D-backs have been out the postseason race for months at that point. But for the first time in a while, the D-backs had to be buyers at the deadline. And we know about some of their issues and weaknesses because I did think that they had a good deadline. The issue is when you get to the trade deadline, 
every team that's in you know playoff contention, their fan base wants them to fix all their issues at the deadline. And I get it. I'm the same way. And you have to remember, it's hard to remind yourself, but teams don't usually get all their issues fixed at the deadline. If you're lucky, they get one or two players to just supplement some of the pieces around your roster. Yes, yeah, sometimes there's teams like the Dodgers who get both a Max Scherzer and a Trey Turner at the MLB deadline, but that's usually rare. Usually it's more like the Miami Marlins where it's like, let's go get a Jake Berger and let's go get a Josh Bell and just get pieces on the fringes that could help just raise the the overall floor of my team. I think that's what the D-backs did this past deadline. We know closer has been a big issue for the D-backs the last few Seasons. I said a ton on yesterday's podcast. Paul Seawald, in his first appearance, in his first save opportunity for the D-backs, gave up two home runs and gave up the 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 win immediately. Didn't look his best in his first save opportunity for the D-backs, but since then has been really good for the D-backs team. Cost control through next season, so we'll at least get a second look at Paul Seawald in Arizona. And then they also got a Tommy Pham, which. I didn't mind at all. Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas both struggled in right field or in the outfield, I guess you want to say, overall. Tommy Pham has had a really good season. So the D-backs added two quality major league players who have been playing above their skis this season. Uh, a, a trade that you could look at that maybe hurt the D-backs a little bit, trading for Jace Peterson, a backup infielder on the worst team in Major League Baseball from the Oakland A's. Maybe you don't trade for players like that who really don't do anything offensively, defensively. Like, I don't really know what his skill is. I'd rather you just trade for players that are actually quality major leaguers at that point, just play some youngster from your minor league system. Give them a couple of opportunities instead of trading for some 31 year old that has no future in major league baseball. That's just my personal, uh, you know, personal take on it. But for the D backs like the deadline and hopefully it means because they already potentially addressed an issue like the closer situation at the deadline, then it, gives them opportunity to get aggressive in other areas that might need some help um, when you get to the offseason. Do you think that there that it signals a sign of aggression towards the offseason? Do you think that this is a uh, Diamondbacks team that is going to look at this offseason as a chance to say, hey, look at this start we have? Because, I mean, you don't, you don't just – something's there. I mean, if you're playing mm-hmm. that good a ball at some point in the season and, and as – for a stretch of the first half of the season as they did, there's something there. There's a foundation there. Does it set the stage for an aggressive offseason for the Diamondbacks? Or does do you think it's a, a one where they're, again, kind of trying to be looking to just try to hit on that veteran guy for the right price? No, I think they should get aggressive. I don't know if that means they're going after Shohei Otani or one of these dudes that's going to command eight years, $300 million, but they should go out there and get aggressive. They've been saying all season they want to play with a sense of urgency. All the moves that they're going to make is going to uh, going to be to build a playoff sustainable winner. And we saw some moves earlier in the season, the first half when the D-backs were winning games. They were like, you know what, Madison Bumgarner, you have not been good your whole tenure with Arizona. You're gone. Paven Smith, you've been struggling as well. You're gone. The D-backs kept winning games. And then once you got to the deadline, or once you got to all-star break, of course, the D-backs have tanked in the second half. And now they're once again trying to make moves to get back into the winning ways. They DFA'd Carson Kelly. They're sending guys down, calling guys up, reconfiguring their whole roster right now. So the D-backs the whole season have been telling you, we're trying to make moves to put the best team on the field as possible. Sometimes the moves come later than you would want, but at least the moves do come. That's not something that has happened the last couple of years. The D-backs would, would take the whole season to be committed to a guy before they were like, you know what, maybe this guy wasn't that good for the D-backs overall um, anyway. So I'm glad to see the D-backs actually move off of players this season who have been underperforming. You should get aggressive this 
coming offseason because you need to build a sustainable playoff winner. I like the pieces the D-backs already have, but there's definitely weaknesses that you could supplement and complement once you get to the offseason. And also, championship windows in sports, you don't know how long they're going to be open for. And while this D-backs have a team right now that you at least can see the remnants of a postseason team, right? You at least know this team has enough talent to at least be a playoff caliber team. And like we've seen the last couple of years, you just need between 87 and 89 wins to make it to the NLCS, to make it to the World Series, or even win the World Series. So if I'm the D-backs and I see all that data from the last few years, how can I not go into this offseason with a plan of attack to at least build a playoff winner for next season, build the best kind of contender you can, and then just let the chips fall where they may be because yeah maybe you don't win the world series next season but you at least i think have to get to the postseason and continue building this franchise forward as we because i, I don't want to go through the d-backs just need consecutive postseason years you just can't keep going through years of mediocrity like the d-backs have and they finally have enough young talent to build a sustainable playoff winner you just need a few more pieces once you get to the offseason I want to circle back to that point, but but before I do, I just want to say the Rockies, uh, when it comes to the trade deadline, it, you got to be encouraged. Obviously, this is a team that it, the Rockies finally admitted and punted. They said mm-hmm. this season is a wash. They needed arm depth in their farm system. They go out and they turn five veteran players, I believe, into seven prospect arms. Boom. CJ Crone, Mike Moustakis, Randall Gritchick. Uh, Brad, you know, all these names, they're not doing anything for your future, expiring contracts. And, you know, thank God the angels were interested in taking three of them. (laughs) And, you know, then they were able to go over and send to the Braves. And, and, and so I think while the injuries and everything and, and the current state of the roster doesn't signal the Rockies should be super aggressive in the off season to, to, to handle some of these things. They have enough pieces that they can kind of start figuring out really what they want to do and move it. And I'm glad they moved away from veteran guys blocking playing time for young guys. Elaros Montero, the guy that came over, the, the the key piece in the Nolan Arenado trade, has struggled at the major league level, but he's playing almost every day now because he's playing first base, because the Rockies need him to be there, and they're giving him more chances. And because of the Rockies' moves, they've opened up for us to see and get extended looks at some of these young guys, both their strengths and their flaws, but that's a good thing. I think really, honestly, especially for a team like Iraqis have a lot of young guys, if they especially have a good season and then maybe even if next year's a tough one and sophomore slumps for a bit, that's some good experience that this Rockies team is building together with some exciting young players with some solid veteran players that they have in certain areas because this Rockies infield, as we kind of joked about it last time, but it has been talked about if Chris Bryant or Laris Montero is playing first base, those are your first basemen, but you got gold glove potential on the infield with Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rodgers, and Ezekiel Tovar all playing there. So the defense of the Rockies uh, mixed with, uh, Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle really cool and exciting but the biggest takeaway from the deadline was just that the Rockies were willing to admit defeat and unlike years in the past they've been mm-hmm. able they they weren't just making one trade making all of those deals that's encouraging because that was the right way to do it and even if those arms don't pan out necessarily as much as you hope that they they, they pan out it was still the right mentality and the right way to go and we didn't sit there as Rockies fans saying what is this team doing? And we don't have to watch, you know, vets on expiring contracts play out a season that the Rockies desperately need to use to figure out some of their young talent. So I don't think this is going to necessarily signal a big change for the Rockies in the offseason. I think the Rockies won't make a ton of moves outside of trying to get any pitcher that will come and start for them to come in, especially ones that might be interesting. I think that might be an approach the Rockies might have to start looking. If you're going to spend that money and, and that commitment to Chris Bryant, 
there's got to be some solid starting pitchers out there that you can convince to come to Colorado by upping that pay up a little bit. And the Rockies are a team that can probably afford to do so when they, they're still getting good turnout there at the ballpark. So I want to go back to Millard's point about the making the playoffs and, and, and what that benchmark means for these teams and more coming up. We'll also talk about uh, some young guys that we were, that were impressed by, because I just want to gush a little bit about, about uh, Corbin Carroll. I think he is someone that is going to be a, uh, a, 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 a face and name to watch in baseball coming up here in segment number two. But before we do that, folks, if you're not getting in on all the fun with Sleeper, you are missing out on testing your baseball knowledge. Put it to the test and play some nice, fun daily fantasy with Sleeper. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Is there What's what's what, what's a nice sneaky one for a Diamondbacks? What's a player, if, if they want to go on Sleeper, they should keep their eyes on to for, for someone there? Is it Seawald strikeouts for closing games? Oh, that's interesting. You could go see maybe Merrill Kelly's strikeouts just because I still feel like he's underappreciated. Take Merrill Kelly's overs for anything because that dude's phenomenal. And if you see on the screen, this is how it works a little bit. There's stats, different players. You build your slip and you can win big. And when you use our promo code, you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply, but don't miss out on Sleeper and the Sleeper app. And that promo code locked on is going to get you a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. This is the Locked On Rockies and Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, bringing you an exciting crossover here on your favorite streaming services on the Locked On Rockies and Locked On Diamondbacks YouTube channel and on SiriusXM and the SiriusXM app. Millard, we're talking philosophies with these teams. We're talking about what's changed with these teams because it's nice to see the front offices of these two teams doing things and trying to reshape and retool these teams. And and we, we've been talking a lot about playoffs, we, and, and we'll dive a little bit more into this year's playoffs, but... If the Diamondbacks don't make the playoffs next year, is that a failure to you? I mean, we talk a lot about this team, about being aggressive, going in a championship window, or playoff window. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's even shrink it to playoff window first before we even go as high as championship window. Is that a failure for this Diamondbacks organization if they aren't in the postseason in 2024? I think it would be. And sometimes it's just based off the order of operations, right? Because if the D-backs were terrible the first half of this past season and then picked it up in the second half and were like chugging toward the postseason and it was like all positive vibes, then I think either way, I think you would make the same argument because then you're like, okay, now we have momentum from this past year going into next season. That team should be a playoff contender. Or if you just take the current situation that the D-backs were in, you were a playoff contender the whole first half. You still might make the playoffs this year, but no matter how you slice it, you see that this D-backs team has enough talent to make the postseason. You see that their ingredients are there. You just need to add a few more spices, a little bit more seasoning, and you might have yourself a true, maybe not World Series contender yet, but at least a, a real playoff contender that could make some noise next year. And for this D-backs team, with everything that we've seen this year, with how close they've been in the wild card contention, with how much we've seen them lead the division all season long until the All-Star break, like this team has to make it to the postseason next year. And I've said on my podcast, like, Tori Lovello and Mike Kazin, the the manager and the GM for the D-backs, they're both locked up, I think, for one more season through 2024. Next season is a make-or-break season for both of those guys because both of them came over from the Boston Red Sox organization together. They both have been 
basically tied up their whole tenure with this D-backs organization. So I think it's make or break time for both of them because I have a lot of questions and concerns, both when it comes to the, the X's and O's on the field and both with some of the decision-making from the front, from the front office. So this D-backs team with all the talent that they have this season, if I don't see an improvement to the rotation, in the bullpen, maybe go out there and get an outfielder or a person for the left side of the infield. If I don't see Mike Hazen making moves to improve this team next season, I'm going to be disappointed. If I see those moves get made and Toy Lovello still makes the same mistakes on the field and either scenario leads to the D-backs, uh, dismissal from the playoffs next year or don't even make it to the playoffs next year, then I think it will be an absolute failure for this D-backs franchise. Obviously, this is not a team that usually has expectations of making it to the postseason, but considering how everything we've seen this year, this team has to improve next year. I think they have to make it to the playoffs. Otherwise, I think it will be a colossal failure. Failure. Also, when you see like the NL wildcard race this year, like the D-backs should definitely be locked into the second or third wildcard spot for next season. We consider that third wildcard spot right now is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, and and there that's the thing. The division is so tough. The the mm-hmm. that's one thing. But there with the expanded playoffs, it's it's you can get in there and and if, and if you're yeah. good enough to to hang with the Dodgers like the D-backs were and you're good enough to battle with the Giants and the Padres, you really shouldn't be that worried about a Marlins, a Reds, and some of these uh, any team in the NL Central, honestly, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe outside no. of the Brewers. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that there are divisions as stacked as the West. So, and and this is some with the Rockies too, and, and reflects when they made the playoffs before when the Rockies and a team like the Diamondbacks can handle the West. They can handle getting into the playoff pictures, and that's, I think, the uh, the benchmarks you're looking for. And, and on the Rockies' perspective, this team ain't making the playoffs in 24, 25, mm-hmm. if everything is going okay. Mm-hmm. It, 25, they're a uh, fringe wildcard team. If development goes and the pitching, the, the, the Rockies' pitchers they have continue, and some of these guys they've traded for pan out, and a couple of these, it, you know, there's there's just so many holes and so many issues that the Rockies are facing that it can't be fixed by just going into one offseason or just one trade deadline. So while I think the front office of the Rockies maybe has made some moves that we deserve to give them props and credit for, this team has to dig themselves out of a very deep hole from this season and in the really since the post Nolan Arenado era because that was back the first time in franchise history back-to-back playoff years you were setting the standard of this of that team of this team and the Rockies being a playoff a perennial playoff team and that didn't happen and now you've been going through a really tough stretch since then how and when the Rockies get back to that relevancy is still to, to be determined, but there are things to be encouraged by in some of these young guys. And and the, they've heard me talk a lot about it, but I think the Diamondbacks and Rockies have young players on their team that are star potential and really could do stuff to really turn heads. And I think the Diamondbacks' Corbin Carroll is someone that we're going to see on the cover of the show one day just yeah, because um... of... of it's he does everything he and, and I believe was it today in the finale was that him stealing second nailing it and then he should have been safe at third but was called out on because no one had any challenges and the crew chief didn't call it I think that was Corbin Carroll trying doing that I can't remember but what do you what does it mean to have exciting young players on your team and how do you feel as a fan like you said as the Diamondbacks are approaching what should be the opening of a window and kind of going through this because because the, the Diamondbacks had to go through this they turned to their young guys they yeah. I mean not too long ago were a what, was it a 50 60 win team that yeah. or something yeah. like that not too long ago for the Diamondbacks they they've been where the Rockies are at right now but now things are looking up how important is it to have a young guy like Carroll on your team 
Oh, it's so important. Like you just mentioned, 52 wins in 2021. So the D-backs were right there with one of the worst seasons we've seen in Major League history. And having a guy like Corbin Carroll, it's not just the fact that the D-backs have this potential MVP candidate in their house that's already putting up MVP numbers as a rookie. It's the fact that before the season started, the D-backs recognized his talent and said, we're going to lock this guy up for the next, I don't even know, eight years, 10 years, however long the deal was. So you don't only have this guy in the building you don't have to worry anymore they're going to have a paul goldschmidt situation where all of a sudden this guy wants to actually be paid what he's worth and the deep backs are like you know what that's a little bit too expensive five years 125 for our franchise star potential hall of famer guy who finishes in top three of mvp voting every single season i don't know if we can't afford that guy now he goes to st louis cardinals he wins his first mvp and at age 35 he's still one of the best first baseman in major league baseball but with corbin carroll we're not going to have to worry about that he's like 22 years old right now he's going to be paid um a fair contract until the age of 30 and probably more than a, a fair contract for the D-backs perspective because I think what you've seen from Corbin Carroll this season, five years from now when he's making like $17 million a year and he's batting like 320 and having like a 40-40 type of season, you're going to be like, that's one of the best deals in Major League Baseball. So the fact that the D-backs franchise and fans get to root for a guy who, like you said, could be on the face of Major League Baseball. You look at a team like the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant talks about Carroll constantly in those press conferences. Where's Carroll's jersey? Like This guy is someone that can transcend the sport of baseball, can transcend Arizona and just be one of the bigger athletes and names. Like He has one of the most popular jerseys in Major League Baseball. I think his all-star game jersey when they were auctioning off, I think Shohei Otani was the only guy whose jersey did better numbers in terms of jersey sales than a Corbin Carroll. So this guy is one of the biggest fan favorites already right now in Major League Baseball. And the fact that he's playing for Arizona, and we know he's not going anywhere for damn near a decade, it feels good as a D-backs fan to finally have a homegrown franchise star that we don't have to worry about leaving us. Yep, and uh, just hope that they don't trade him for, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. pay other teams to do That's so. Is I'll yeah. still never – my bitterness is still there. But I think the Rockies can have some stuff the, the same way. If Ezekiel Tovar continues on this path, he might not be MLB show worthy or, or something like that, but the Rockies can look and say, hey, that's the third shortstop in a row that this team has pulled out and, and has, has found and has been legit. I mean, the one thing to give props there, to go from Tulo to Story to Tovar, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good – stretch there when you're looking at short at an important position like shortstop i i think for teams and franchises like the rockies and diamondbacks these young guys are so critical they're so critical for the fandom they're so critical to build interest and like you're saying i mean corbin carroll's going to be a piece to when they're talking to people in the offseason say you've seen this kid you've seen this yeah. guy right you know you want to come play play ball with this guy you know you want to hit with this guy you know you want to be on the mound with that guy backing you up uh, out there and that's going to really help things and that's going to help also I, I and it's good to i think have these young guys when they come up not only take the challenge head on but be leaders about it and i think yeah. tovar and carol have both uh exemplified that and have been handled it and like you said when you lock your your stud up for that long and he's only 22 like Carroll and he's hitting 28 six years into that contract that you already have yeah. hitting that prime I mean the potential there and the potential value is, is absolutely through the roof so really really exciting stuff I think uh, as these guys set the stage for the future 
Yeah, I was going to say, just like on the point you just made, I think something that we've seen with this like next generation of like MLB stars, like I really do think they have that awareness when it comes to their brand and like superstardom. When you see the Corbin Carrolls, when you see the like the Ella Della Cruises of the world, like these guys already know that they're hot crap when they get called up and they kind of play like it as well. A lot of baseball players from the past, like of course you've had some guys who are, you know, maybe um, could show Bryce off. Bryce Harper's only the only one I can think of that I yeah. think came up and knew – he was Bryce Harper. I feel like he's the only one that you can kind of point to the, that that has the confidence that some of these young guys have. Yeah, confidence. I'm okay with also like borderline arrogance if you can back it mm -hmm. up. Like I want to see you walk that walk, talk that talk. And I think this next generation of stars is finally doing that and adding that little off the off the field pizzazz and flair that because a lot of times it's like yeah i see these guys on the field but it's like do i know what mike trout sounds like like are there a lot of mike trout sound bites or like a lot of these best baseball players like moogie Betts has a podcast but pre-podcast moogie Betts, i don't know how many people actually have heard him talk i feel like this next generation of stars is actually trying to build their brand and start them not just on the field but off the field as well which is cool well, and embracing the new era of baseball. I mean, it's where Carol's really exciting and face of, but I think Ellie De La Cruz is a perfect. That guy yeah. is the future of baseball. A guy yeah. that can hit nukes, steal bases, and play defense. I mean, that what gets more fun than watching those type of players? That's the most fun of baseball when you can kind of, you know, it's 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 crazy. They put all these offensive elements, and baseball got a heck of a lot more fun yeah. while making the game faster, Billy. I know what's funny too. You talk to Miller. Miller's like, cut the games, cut the times, ties. Yeah, Give know. me a all the baseball purists. They they listen to Miller. They they they're rolling they over. It. But yeah. it 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 shows that this game is growing, and it's growing in the right ways and in exciting ways. And and I think players like Ezekiel Tovar, Corbin Carroll, uh, Ellie De La Cruz all great for the game and uh, it's all great that we're letting to see their personalities fly and you know what if i was ellie de la cruz and i could steal every base on the diamond and hit home runs i'd be showing off too because that is greatness and it makes baseball feel a little less stuffy which which i absolutely love yeah i think the other data point that i'm really interested in watching over like the next 10 to 15 years is the shohei otani effect because we already see it with these drafts where like some of the rumored top picks are like crushes it from the left side of the plate, but can also throw a hundred on the mound. I think we're just going to see a so many wave of players actually try to attempt and maybe from like the developmental system as kids where it's like, you know what? We're not going to just tell you to either pitch or bat. If you are great at both, let's see how long you can last. Let's see how your body holds up through the years, through high school, through all the travel baseball, through college. And then once you get to the major leagues and minors. So I want to see that data point, the Otani effect, how that affects the next generation of stars that we see come through the game over the next 10 to 15 years and that's going to be a real thing the mm -hmm. best part about like Shohei is incredible but honestly the weird like it's a weird to say but the one of the best things about Shohei is he's not going to be the last now because he's no. doing because it, it, it's one thing if Shohei is just doing it and he's run of the mill and he's whatever he's the best player in baseball by a mile because he's one of the best hitters and he's one of the best pitchers doing stuff we've never seen and unfortunately Probably not going to see him in the playoffs. Yeah. Millard, let's get our playoff predictions here as we close out the show coming up here in segment number three. This is the Locked On Rockies, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover extravaganza wrapped up our series uh, in the Thursday pod and talking more big picture stuff on today's episode here. And let's wind things down on a fun Friday with classic sports radio talk. Millard, okay. get the tease. Yeah, I was all, you know, since especially with the trade deadline, I said, all right, Angels, get in there and make some noise and have some fun in the playoffs. But 
I think that ship has sailed its course. Yeah. And uh, what are you? Th what What's your playoff picture looking like? Do you have any surprise teams, or is it going to be Dodgers, Braves, and then Dodgers, Astros again over there? Or is the AL East uh, an, an interesting enough division to to shake things up and get into uh, the World Series over there? The AL East is interesting. I mean, I don't know how much I trust some of the teams that are going to make it from the. At least I think the biggest dark horse in that division is probably the Toronto Blue Jays because I think on paper it might be the most well-rounded when I look at that rotation, when I look at the lineup, the bullpen. Baltimore, I think it's just probably a little bit too young for me at this point, not enough experience. And also their rotation is also not super strong. Tampa Bay, I'm just never going to believe just because I know what they could do in the regular season. I just think they're too overly analytical when they get to the playoffs. I'm just never going to trust them. The Dodgers, I do think they're susceptible once we get to the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like the same postseason from last year where the Dodgers run away in the regular season, we get to the playoffs, and you're like, you know what? This pitching is not as good as we might have expected because you look at that rotation, look at the bullpen, a little bit weaker than we've seen in years past from this Dodgers team. But the playoff picture is just so weird right now. We've talked about the NL wild card. Like, I don't know if the D-backs are going to make it. Is it going to be the Chicago Cubs who have really heated up over the last two months? The Cincinnati Reds on paper, I don't think they're a very good team, but they're only one game back of the wild card mix. The Miami Marlins, I think, might have had the best deadline of anyone. A guy like Jake Berger has been really good, and they made some other moves as well. So the playoff picture is kind of weird. I just know the Houston Astros, they're two games back of the Texas Rangers right now. They might not win the division, but will I put money on the Astros to make it to at least the ALCS? I probably will. Yeah, I'm I, until they lose, until yeah. they lose consistently, I ain't betting against them. But that I think the Rangers, it, it might be a matchup in Texas there. Uh, I think that that a collision course could certainly happen. The Rangers are legit. I, I don't think mm -hmm. that you can't take away yeah. Corey Seager might is, is is on a tear. But I think you mentioned one of the sneaky teams, and 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 this is where I, where baseball is so weird and, and can be so important is. If you're the Cubs and you're dominating and you're hot going into the end of the season, it's going to be interesting. But the NL Central, honestly, personally, full of mostly frauds. Uh, and teams that I, I just feel like they get the benefit of beating up on each other. for a good, Even with the new schedule, I, I don't think there's anything that's come out of the Central that makes me believe highly in them. I think mm -hmm. the Dodgers do have the the, the chance of being exposed, they're, but they're the evil mothership. So, yet similar to the Astros, they got to get knocked out first for me to really count them out. But I think that the Dodgers are going to be in a moment where they're on cruise control again because this division, it fell apart, and the Giants are going to nip at the heels. And I think the Padres' time is just about up as well, or at least yeah. when it comes to the division. So we'll see. But I, I have um, if, if it's me, I think it's going to be a pretty classic thing because you got the machine in Atlanta there as well. Yeah. If I wanted to be excited about a fun team, though, I would love for Miami to make it. I yeah. think Miami, I think it would be great for that team. Great for the franchise. Good for baseball. Miami would continue their incredible hot streak of sports, but uh, we know what happened in the NBA Finals. Uh, but uh, I think you know what happened on that playoff yeah. run there too, Millard. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's good when teams like the Marlins are there, and it's good when they do stuff at the deadline, and it's when it, – when, if they're making noise and making changes, it kind of puts the spotlight on the Rockies as well as their expansion brother to say, uh, hey, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're a team that deals with our own issues and we're able to get back to the playoffs more consistently than the Rockies have won a title. But 
a murky picture, certainly, for the playoffs and still, honestly, plenty of baseball to be left. There's a lot of things that are going to change, but we'll be breaking it all down right here on Locked on Rockies and Locked on Diamondbacks. One more series between these two teams, but the Diamondbacks are going to take the season series no matter what. Even Ooh. if it is a sweep for the Rockies, I believe it's only a three-game set in Arizona. If the Rockies do sweep, they'd go to 7-5 and five on the season, uh, but um, it's the Rockies on the road, so we know how that usually goes. <laughs> but uh, I'm Paul Holden. You can find me at Paul Holden 33 You can find the show live. Locked on Rockies on your favorite streaming service and on YouTube. Millard, where can they go to find you, my friend? At Creator Thomas24 from our personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. We're, of course, on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well, and all your podcasting platforms. And you can make sure that you're checking out all your favorite teams, all your baseball-related stuff, all your sports need are on the Locked on Podcast Network. Folks, until next time, this is Paul Holden and Millard Thomas saying so long from the Locked on Podcast Network.